0: There were times when I couldn't stand the pain anymore, or I would sometimes say, you know, Lord, just encourage me today. And then I'd get a note from somebody, an email, we're praying for you, and and that type of thing just was wonderful encouragement, not only to me, but to the family.
1: His story is amazing. Jeff Jacobson was diagnosed with a rare disease that claimed his liver. But a transplant has saved his life, and he'll tell us about it today here on First Person. Welcome, everyone. I'm Wayne Shepard. You'll meet my friend Jeff in just a moment, but first, please take some time today to visit us online at firstpersoninterview.com. You'll see more of Jeff's story there, and you can see what's ahead on the upcoming schedule of guests. That's at firstpersoninterview.com. And then on Facebook, you can leave comments about what you hear today. Just go to facebook.com slash interview. That's facebook.com slash interview. Well, I've known today's guest for many years, and Jeff is well-known in Christian radio circles from his ministry career at Moody Radio, In Touch Ministries, Focus on the Family, and other places, including his present position at Strong Tower Media in Ohio. In 2013, Jeff's health took a turn for the worse, and it was discovered that he suffered from a rare genetic disorder that destroyed his liver. In 2014, he received a transplanted liver and now is recovering. We met in the studios of our affiliate WFCJ in Ohio and talked about his ordeal.
0: Well, Wayne, we had gotten back from a trip to Canada where some family were, and um, the uh, people, people at work here said, I look really pale and um just and then we had a work day scheduled for our new studio complex and i i said i just don't have it in me hmm. and so my wife ann said why don't you go see your doctor because there's something up and so i went there and he immediately sent me over to the emergency room what did he see he saw um blood ah and uh, that was not a great sign not a good thing nope and so uh, They admitted me to the hospital immediately, and um, I was bleeding in the uh, varices of my, uh, the Larnex, that whole area down there, and so they got that stopped, but I'll tell you, Wayne, um, the next, I was in the hospital this first time when they diagnosed my condition about five days, and uh, this is where they discovered that I had cirrhosis of the liver caused by
1: a rare genetic condition. Most of the time, when we hear cirrhosis of the liver, we equate that with too much alcohol.
0: Yeah, and that, and that doesn't
1: to, doesn't apply to you. No, does it? I,
0: <laughs> I had to I had to quickly squash that rumor yeah, right, that you yeah. know, Jacobson. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it was it was some chromosomes my parents gave me, and it's called alpha one antitrypsin deficiency. But you had no idea you were carrying you were the carrier of that. No idea, or and your
1: parents were the carriers of that. Who gave it to you?
0: Exactly, they never had any symptoms. And so they, uh, and they're deceased now, so I can't even ask them or slap them or anything like that. (laughs) I was like, why'd you give this to me? But uh, yeah, I I had both Z chromosomes or whatever you want to call it in the genetic language. And this is what caused this. And it had been happening over time, but I had no outward symptoms, you know, and so it was just bizarre. What about siblings? Did Anybody else have this? I have a sister who lives in uh, New Zealand and she's been tested and she doesn't have it either. I mean, she has a ZM, so she did not get the ZZ. Okay. And so, um, and then uh, um, I happened to, you know, spin the wheel and I want it. So, uh, so, it's just such a random thing, isn't it? It is. It is. And it's, it's amazing. Once you start delving into it, number one is a lot of the doctors in the medical community, Um, They're aware of it, but they don't think about it when it usually manifests itself in lung problems like COPD Mm -hmm. because this little protein that I understand in the liver gets folded and it never leaves the liver. Mm -hmm. And so then the liver starts reacting, and then over time it tries to regenerate itself, and it doesn't, and it's just a mess. And so this this protein that controls a lot of our lung functions – um, is usually the way it's manifested first, but not in me. Okay, lungs were clear.
1: So this was discovered when um, November of 2013, and you lived with this for a long, a long time, time. And, and it had to be, it had to make you very, very sick, Jeff.
0: Yeah, it it really did, and especially after the diagnosis is when um, the the really a, a concentrated effort um, began because the only cure for me would be a transplant. So they put you on the list. I qualified. I had to qualify first. And it was uh, the University of Cincinnati. Well, how do you qualify? I mean, you, you've got a non-functioning <laughs> liver. Is it that
1: qualification not? Well,
0: they want to look at other parts of your body because they want to make sure that your heart and lungs and kidneys are ready for a transplant. I see. Okay. And Because uh, if you've got other issues, then they don't, uh, and I say this carefully, they don't want to waste their time because yeah. then it you know, could just be fatal. But uh, yeah, I qualified. I passed all the lung tests and the, uh, they, cha- they even did a test, Wayne, where it was, uh, they varied the Speed of my heart. Hmm. And um, that was really weird. I was going to say, that sounds like fun. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit Frankensteinish. But uh, <laughs> overall, and then I got put on the list for transplant uh, January 2014. January 2014. When did the transplant occur? November of 2014. That's a long time to wait. It is. And those were months and months of just, I could, I could see the body was starting to shut down. Um, it was consuming itself because it wasn 't getting any kind of nutrition i mean i 'd eat and i didn 't want to eat much, but uh, then uh, you
1: were just wasting away I was wasting you? away, yeah
0: yep, and uh, you know the first few months, January February March were okay, but uh, then it started to progress, and then my gallbladder had to be taken out, and then then I'm, you know i 'm building up this fluid continually. Um, they did a, pr- a procedure where they tried to bypass a few things to let some of this pressure go, but mm-hmm. that didn 't work. And, um, and and overall, it was it's called portal hypertension, and that's what was causing the bleeding in the esophagus and mm. the down that way.
1: You mentioned the gallbladder, and I mean, I'm I do not know much about this, but for most of us, a gallbladder operation removal is pretty routine these days. I'll bet it was anything but routine. Oh for yeah, you. they
0: had to have some specialists do that too, because they you know they were battling with this fluid buildup, and then um, you know all the other issues, and then the meds they're on you're on too, because they put you on a, a lot of medicines because okay. to control a lot. Of of this well what's going on in your heart during this in-between time Jeff well it's it's survival and the the humbling you know the prognosis you're battling with that um, I've got two little boys in you're saying Lord I want to be around for, for them to grow up I've got three older children that are in their 20s and they're scared to death because they lost their mother to brain Your first
1: cancer. wife, Ruth Ann, died yep. of cancer, and so what's going through their minds? Uh,
0: Are we going to lose dad, too? Exactly. Wow. And so all those things on top of just the physical aspects. And uh, it was really hard. I mean, it was really hard. Yeah. I, can't, I, I just can't
1: imagine that. So, But the Lord met you during yep. that time. Mm-hmm. Your family has remained strong. Oh, yes. And yes. I, I mean, the little ones at home, I mean, one was old enough to kind of know what was going on, right? Is it, is it Michael? Uh, Michael's our youngest one. He's two and a half All right And the older older one is Thomas Thomas That's it All right And and was he praying for dad What was the deal He was praying for dad
0: Every day at dinner time Or before he went to bed That God give daddy a new liver And uh, then I'll tell you the story That after I got the transplant um, he started praying for the the family that lost somebody oh. because of the uh, the yeah. liver donation yeah, the so, Sure. So he's he was really aware of what was going on in a five year old's mind. Yeah. Um, life. We tried to keep life as as normal as possible. Of course you do. Um, you know, I lost a lot of the ability to even keep up with these two little munchkins, <laughs> but um, my wife Ann, she you know she she did a yeoman's job. I mean, I'll tell you, without her, I don't know where I would have. Ended up because of just even little things like keeping my pills straight. You know, when you're taking so many drugs, even post
1: transplant. Now uh, she's. Well, you've got a wonderful wife, and Mm -hmm. we all love. And um, so the day came when you got a phone call.
0: Yes, it was a Wednesday. I'll never forget it. It's sort of a. It's it's uh, Wednesday, November. It was the 12th, 8 p.m. University of Cincinnati transplant department calls and said, can you just stay by your phone for about 20 minutes? And you're home alone. I'm home alone because my kids are at Awana with my wife. So, I'm home alone. I'm trying to do a little bit of housekeeping, you know, putting the dishes in the dishwasher, something I could, sort of lame I could do. I mean, it was (laughs) sort of, but um, then it's like, well, they're not home yet and I wonder what's going on here. Yeah.
1: So, did you have to wait the whole 20 minutes? Yeah, I did. And it
0: got into oh, 30. Oh, my goodness. Oh. and um, But then at about 35 minutes later, they called back and said, Can you get down here? We have a donor.
1: Okay. And so... So um, they were just... Uh, Prepping the the donor to uh, see if it was going to be a match. Was exactly,
0: they they go through all that type of thing and uh, make sure the match. And uh, the the, the uh, I believe the liver hadn't been removed yet from the person. Okay, they were there, and so uh, but I so I'm waiting for my wife to come back from Juana, which is about that time. But I'm ready to drive down there myself, which I did, and I think I cried all the way. I mean, <laughs> because here here is here you know, it, and you never know once you're even open on the table, if it's gonna work. I mean, but here I'm like, Lord, I mean, it's so soon, but you know the timing. And so, you know, I just kept driving and I got there. And then my wife arranged for childcare to, to, for our little boys. Mm-hmm. And then she got down there
1: with my older son, Christian. And, I'm guessing uh, Ann was crying driving herself to the hospital.
0: Yeah, I Yeah, I believe so, yes. And uh, so, once I got down there, then it's... Uh, just a process of you know they get you into a room and start they don't start prepping you immediately but uh, the whole process is is pretty involved mm-hmm. and uh, it was uh, that, that that was the beginning of my rebirth. Yeah, how long did the
1: surgery take?
0: For me, it was about nine hours, and uh, they uh, they started at two a.m. and they had just finished another liver transplant. Oh. I mean, I can't imagine. I have enough trouble cutting the grass. I mean, here's <laughs> these these surgeons and, and and nurses and anesthesiologists, and they're all you know going to do another one.
1: Well, I love your sense of humor about this, Jeff, but it had to be anything but funny at the time. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's, though
0: though I was able to you know joke a little bit, but uh, I know probably you, was
1: nervous. Knowing you, I bet you did.
0: <laughs> it was nerves because it's scary. I mean, yeah. you figured you're going to be put under for t- nine hours. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it's, and at that point, um, but then at that point, Wayne, I was ready for something because the, the, just the life before
1: was just so miserable. We'll learn more about the liver transplant that has saved Jeff Jacobson's life. It's coming up in the second half of first person Please take the time this week to visit our website firstpersoninterview.com. When you do, you'll learn about the ministry of the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC has been around since 1945, but its ministry today is reaching millions every day with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In recent years, I've traveled to a few of the places where FEBC broadcasts are changing the lives, and I've seen firsthand the results for which we praise God. To learn more about FEBC, visit firstpersoninterview.com. My guest on First Person today is Jeff Jacobson. Jeff and I have known each other for many years. Uh, Jeff and I worked together at Moody Radio in Chicago for many years, and Jeff has had many positions in radio, including in touch with Charles Stanley, managing radio station in Port Huron, Michigan. I'm probably forgetting something even, Jeff. Focus on the family. Focus, yeah. Where you worked for for a while, and uh, now you find yourself in... kind of my home stomping grounds, because I went to college close by where you work and live now, working for Strong Tower Christian Media in Ohio. Exactly. On WFCJ, WEEC. Jeff, it's so good to see you. I know that you're on the road to recovery from this liver transplant, and it's not 100% yet, but your friends around the country are just rejoicing. I hope you understand that. I mean, I, we, we had a picture together on Facebook. And what did we get? Like over 100 people just told Jeff how great you looked. And
0: Well, it's better to look good than feel good. Than <laughs> um, but, I, know, I know you still feel weak in many ways. Yeah. I, it, you know, it's encouraging to hear that because I heard it from somebody this morning. I had breakfast with that I hadn't seen for since last October. And, uh, and, and then I look at pictures of uh, my youngest daughter, Catherine, got married in Pennsylvania in September, and the wedding pictures came back, and I was so privileged to be there and be able to be there, but, uh, you know, it just I looked grayish and... Other people have described things, and, and so that's
1: encouraging to hear from people yeah. that uh, look better. But, uh, the, well, the as, I, as I said when we started this conversation, it's a miracle it is. that you're sitting here. Do you know how many liver transplants like this are done in the U.S. every year?
0: Well, uh, I know it's in the thousands. Um, University of Cincinnati, for instance, in 2014, I think they totaled close to 80 liver transplants. Okay. But there's the, the problem is, Wayne, there's so many people on the list that Never get one, mm.
1: and um, so I've become a real advocate for organ yeah, donations. I, I want to talk about that because yeah. I was guessing that was the fact. Yeah. And uh, what, how does that manifest itself? I mean, what are you able to do?
0: Well, um, of anything you can um, let people know, first of all, in, in, in small ways, and then the bigger picture would be to uh, you know, whether it's uh, writing. Ohio state legislature, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Ohio has been become very proactive on organ donations, but okay. uh, uh, it's still people. Ha- it's debunking the myths that if you become an organ, don- don- if you become an organ donor, you're going to be left to the side of the road, and they want because they want to harvest you, mm-hmm. and that's not the case. It's not the case. But at least if if you if you say yes, and it may never even materialize. Um, it, it just gives hope to the people that are waiting for for yeah, organs, kidneys, hearts, you know, all sorts of In things. In
1: Illinois where I live, I believe you have to sign the back of your driver's license. You have to declare mm-hmm. that it's okay for organs to be harvested, but you're you're an advocate now. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, you're yeah. the recipient and an advocate. Yes. And uh, I have to ask you, do you know anything about the donor? Um, ten years younger than I
0: am, and what we're going to do is probably in another month or two. There's a uh, central uh, call clearinghouse, but they you write them a letter and they see if the uh, donor family wants to read it or or start communication. Okay. Um, so we're going to do that um, because you know they went through a tragic loss. Yeah. And um, you can't the, minimize that. No, you can't. Or you, you really can't because it was right before Christmas. Oh. You know, Novemberish. And uh, so, you know, there, there was that, that emptiness in their hearts. So we'll do that, you know, another month or two. Yeah. And then, um, and I know that coming up too in Cincinnati, there's a recognition of transplant donors and recipients. It's a, it's a public event that happens in the courtyard of the hospital once a year. So, um, you know, we're going to attend that. But, uh, but yeah, big advocate.
1: Okay, so you have the new liver. I mean, we take it it's so matter of fact to state that, but it, I can't imagine the everything you went through. I mean, we're laughing about it, but Jeff, yeah. you lived through this and have suffered through this. How it was in November of 2014. Right. And here we are in 2015 now, and how are you doing? Yeah. I mean, you're not 100%. No, no, I'm not. And uh, four months out,
0: I've, I've been blessed with, number one, the uh, fact that there hasn't been any signs of rejection or infection, even though it was cold season. Um, but I took practical steps to minimize my uh, exposure to um, people mm-hmm. Chir- at church. Mm-hmm. just didn't go. I mean, our pastor even said, uh, don't go, because don't come, because we've got... Tons of sick people here, yeah, Yeah. and all it would take is because
1: a suppressed immune system, uh, a cold or a flu would be a real problem. Well, tell me how they monitored you because it had a pretty unique uh, technology attached to it, didn't it? Yeah, I was part of an experimental group at the University of Cincinnati where
0: they gave me a tablet to take home and uh, the tablet had uh talking about a computer a tablet a com- computer yeah no, yeah more. I, I i do take a lot of tablets in the morning and any, you don't want to
1: swallow this no, one. no 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 you
0: don't want to swallow this one but yeah it's a computer tablet and uh it was programmed to record your vitals and also ask how you're doing it had a camera so if they wanted to uh, follow up they could do a you know this type of one a two-way c- communication um it, it it included a weight a weight scale, a blood pressure monitor, everything Attached to the tablet. so they had eyes on you all the time. They did, they did, and it was a lot easier than having to write something down and fax it or email. And or, they were looking for signs of rejection, exactly. And and um, you know, blood work would be done every week just to see you know your levels of certain things. And what then, was it like to live with that? It was it was interesting. Uh, it took a little while to get used to because it would remind you when it needed to have data entered in. But after a while, it sort of became became second nature. There were a couple of times where I put in there I answered the question about pain that it was severe or you know up up the scale and 20 minutes later the phone rang and mm-hmm. it was one of the nurses well that's kind of reassuring it though isn't it it is and I mean, uh, this is life and death stuff it is um, especially post transplant yeah. that's the that's the key so um, the experiment ended about a month ago. I had to take back my tablet, sort of a friend by then. And uh, but they they're uh, working with uh, some other organizations to refine it. And um, but I think it was a great idea. Yeah. I mean, it was
1: just uh, otherwise you would have been in the hospital.
0: Yes, I had yeah. to think
1: because yep. they had to monitor you very carefully right, each right. and every day.
0: Right, and uh, this this ends that, and also. Uh, does provide the way for two way communication, or if doctor one of the doctors wants to do a video conference with yeah. you,
1: then you know he can do that. Jeff, we have a few minutes left. And I just got to ask you. I mean, you love the Lord, and uh, you've been walking with the Lord a long time. This was a this came on the. I mean, many years ago, y- your wife Ruth Ann died of cancer, and now this strikes you. I mean, again, what what have you learned about the Lord's uh, strength through all this time?
0: I have learned that uh, number one, He does love us with an an everlasting love. Not to not to make that uh, minimize that at all. Number two is that He can take anything because there were times when I wanted to give up. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't stand the pain anymore, or why is this happening? I didn't ask for it, and and He can take all that. He can handle all that. And uh, at the same time, He would. I would sometimes say, you know, Lord, just encourage me today. And then I'd get a note from somebody, an email. Uh, you know, we're praying for you, and and that type of thing just was. Wonderful encouragement, not only to me, but to the family. Yeah. That, uh, you know, there's a lot of prayer
1: support out yeah, there. Yeah. I want to ask you about the family because they're, I mean, they're going through it with you. Exactly. They're not experiencing the physical pain, but they but, have to live with it just the same. And especially and- when I got home and we had a medical bed in the family room,
0: um, they're being reminded every day. But uh, at the same time, you know, with the, the two little guys, they're realizing, too, that daddy's going to be around. Yeah. and that, uh, But it's going to take a little time for you know, my body to catch up with my mind. What
1: would Anne say is the greatest thing that people did for her uh, while her husband was going through all this?
0: Well, I know that uh, you know, not only the meals brought and things like that, but just the, the ability to, to have somebody watch the boys and let her get away, even if it's over to a coffee house, just to, to decompress. And uh, because it's, it's, it's just, a, it's a, it's, you know, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing this, you're keeping the house going, you're, you're feeding the kids. But uh, when family came down and, uh, you know, we're, they were here for about two weeks, uh, letting her just get away and decompress would probably be the biggest thing. Sure. Because uh, you just need that as a caregiver.
1: Yeah. You didn't always need people to, you know, read scripture verses to you and... But to have prayers on your behalf, I'm right. sure meant a lot too. Right. But uh, just be sensitive to those needs
0: exactly during and, that and, time. And I have such a great you know I was a caregiver with my my wife Ruth Ann. Now I was on the other side. And and uh, you know she'd call me stubborn sometimes and all that and uh, <laughs> let you know but but at the same time I needed her and even to get socks on I mean because you can't bend over much you, you feel like you're just going to continue to bend over and right, fall but right. uh, um, but with that and, and the fact that I had physical therapy at the house things like that that built built up my confidence that uh, this is going to work out but you've got to give it time it, it's one of the major operations that that the medical community does. And uh, you just got to give it time. God is good. He sure is. I'll tell you, I would be sitting time. here with you today. Hmm. It, it would, uh, especially, you know, with the condition that it was. And, uh, and, and, you know, my heart goes out to those that are waiting and that uh, are, are ba- you know, you face a mental battle. And then the ones that have received transplants where, you know, it's just a slow progress, but it's worth it. And we will come out of
1: it, and we will be pretty well back to normal with Mm -hmm. maybe a few adjustments. Jeff has had a long road to recovery from his transplant operation and still has a ways to go. But his story of how God has used medical technology and medical professionals to care for him is inspiring. We're thankful to God for Jeff's story. As you can imagine, Jeff now encourages all of us to consider organ donation. It saved his life. Jeff is part of the staff of Strong Tower Media in Ohio, where we are heard on WFCJ. We'll place additional information about this on our website, FirstPersonInterview.com. You'll also be able to go back and listen again to today's program or send the link to a friend when you look us up online at FirstPersonInterview.com. The audio archive of today's conversation and all others we've shared in the past are at FirstPersonInterview.com. And if you use apps on your smartphone or tablet, you can read the latest about our First Person app at FirstPersonInterview.com. In the meantime, you can download any of our programs from iTunes where you can subscribe to the podcast free of charge. Comments about this program can be posted on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Interview. There are quite often additional postings on our Facebook page, which I believe you'll find informative. So look us up at facebook.com slash Interview. Well, next week, our guest will be Dr. Erwin Lutzer of Chicago's Moody Church. He has a new autobiography titled He Will Be the Preacher. We'll talk with Dr. Lutzer about his life calling to the ministry. Don't miss it. Now with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd, hoping you'll join us next time for First Person.